And welcome to Why We Get Shwasty. My name is Ronan, and with me I have, as usual, Fergus. Hi, Ronan. And Felipe. Hey, Ronan. But also with us, we're very excited. We have our very first special guest. We've got <gasps> Bliss. Bliss, welcome. Hi. Hey. Hi, Bliss. Hey. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, our pleasure. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Doing all right. No bad. Excited um, to have our first guest. Yeah, I, I, I believe you're actually a, a listener of the pod. Is that is that true? I am. Big fan. Big fan of the pod. I listen every week. <laughs> Ooh, thank you. Thanks. We appreciate it. <laughs> it keeps me going when I'm at work. Oh my God, real life, real life fan. Nice to hear. Mm. Uh, so, uh, Bliss is going to be Bliss is going to be leading us through some interesting topics this week, and joining in on our usual Wikipedia material as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Looking forward. How are to How it. are you guys doing as well? Not bad. Um, sad news: I'm out of wine. Oh no! No, I was just going to ask what everyone's drinking. That is sad. I had a glass. I had a glass about an hour ago, but turns out that was the last glass of the bowl. Oh, so I've had wine. I've had wine today, but just not with you guys. Um, yeah, I'm on me that that customary bottle of red wine. Yeah, it was red, but um, I am drinking water out of a beer glass, a Camden Town Brewery <laughs> beer glass. So that yeah. counts. <laughs> Yeah, Fergus, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a Peroni. Uh, nice lunchtime Italian. How continental. Beer. Yeah, continental. Mm. Um, wrong continent, but uh, <laughs> I suppose it is still a continent. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you? Europe, not, not Italy. Uh, I'm... <laughs> I was about to say... I'm double fisting, and then I got... Is that what it's called <laughs> yeah. when you have a drink in each hand? Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. Yes. It sounds it like... It does sound... It sounds it, you like got something it. else. <laughs> no, I think you, you've got to, like, be confident with it when we're talking about mm. alcohol, and I think everyone <laughs> will get it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, um, take but Felipe's advice. The most important thing about double fisting is just to be confident. It's confidence. Be com- just go with it. That. I think yeah. just finding yourself in uh, that situation would con- take consent some confidence. As well. Consent, of course. <laughs> I mean, just the two well, C's. Just fisting one person confidence. takes a certain degree of confidence. Yeah, it's it's made even worse because uh, I'm uh, double fisting, and the drink I'm drinking tonight is called Pink Hooch. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Pink Hooch in one hand, and I've got a cup of tea. In the other hand, because I'm tired and need the caffeine. So, that's my life. Uh, after this double-fisting a pink hooch, roaring start, Bliss, uh, am I right in thinking uh, some members of your family listen to this podcast as well? Oh, no. <laughs> yes, if, there if, are in the other of sense, my family. In the other sense, what exactly were you implying the double-fisting meant? Yeah, let's not go there, Felipe. <laughs> Yeah, to the members of my family who listen to this podcast, I would like to apologise profusely. (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant start. So, Bliss, uh, I think you're here to educate us about something very interesting. I am here. Mm. I am here to educate and entertain. (laughs) Um, So, I thought I would uh, do a bit of a historical deep dive today so i am here to tell you guys all about the time when a bunch of 
Victorian spiritualists try to build a god machine. Oh, a, a god machine. Yes. What, to create god? What is a god machine? Well, you, wait and see, and you will find out. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, this all began with a man called John Murray Spear, who was born in 1804 in Boston. He was a good Christian boy. He uh, became ordained as a minister. Uh, he was also very politically active. He was uh, campaigning for women's rights and removing the death penalty and, like, the abolition of slavery. So he was a pretty chill dude, like, considering Victorian standards. He was a... Uh, he was a forward thinker. Uh, but then things start getting a little bit weird. Oh, no. So okay. in, uh, in 1844, he was beaten up by a gang of men and he was beaten up so badly that he, uh, he was in a coma for a while. Ooh. And oh. when he came out of the coma, he said that he had started having strange visions and premonitions of the future. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And um, he started saying that spirits were talking to him. Uh, he said there was a group of spirits that he called the Association of Electricizers. <laughs> which seems mostly to have been made up of old presidents. Um, well, like living what? or dead? No, dead. Wait, Okay. The old spirits were the spirits of the presidents. Yeah, so Benjamin Franklin okay. was there, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, there were a few others. And uh, he, yeah, he said that these spirits were, were speaking to him and giving him advice and things. So uh, all of these old presidents were hanging out on the astral plane, I guess. Oh. Maybe they were there with snakes. <laughs> And John Cena. Um, <laughs> oh, she, she knows the deep lore. <laughs> the sacred text. <laughs> uh, and in 1853, uh, John Spear announced that the spirits had given him the plans for an invention. Um, he described it as being the new messiah and... God's last best gift to man. It was phone. So it was smartphone. So, so when you <laughs> all these kids Steve looking Jobs. at phone and his name Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. <laughs> that kid. Wait, Steve so when, Jobs. Wait, so when you say he was he was building building a god machine, mm -hmm. uh, you said the word Messiah there. So literally, the machine was was a god. It would seem so. But then, who was so phone? The name. <laughs> John Cena. So, uh, so the name that he gave to this uh, invention was the New Motive Power. Mm. Right. And uh, I read one description which says the machine itself would act as a physical body for God. A metal and copper suit to contain the divine spark. <laughs> like a mecha. Yeah. <laughs> it's the god mecha. It's like um, Iron Man for why? Christian daytime television. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, why? why? I mean, I guess maybe they got sick of like waiting for the second coming of Jesus and decided to just do it themselves <laughs> yeah possibly so it wasn't a machine it wasn't a machine it was just like a suit well unclear so there's another description it's like god's tailor <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's another description which says what the machine would actually do and it says uh it would be a living working mechanism which would bear offspring a race of self-replicating, self-powering machines. Nano-machines. <laughs> oh. 
And uh, apparently it was going to eliminate humanity's need to earn food or wages. And liberated from daily labour, people would be free to open themselves up to the spirits and to mentally connect with the new motive power. I'm sorry, is this the plot of iRobot? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, it says, through etheric transmission of humankind's collective thoughts, knowledge and desires, the new motive power would remake the world. In essence, by removing humanity's material limitations, the new motor was a godlike machine that would bring out the godlike qualities in man. Some supervillain so shit. Turn... So it will it will be like um, the end of Space Odyssey when it's it's kind of um, implied that the humans become this big in, you know, space they baby. They to become this this like mm. space spirit thing, but it's kind yeah. of like fast forwarding that. Like it, it kind of sounded to me like a weird mixture of like. Universal basic income and the Borg, because <laughs> like it removed like oh people don't have to work for a living and like they can engage in leisure, but then the whole like humanity's hive mind thing. Well, there's no physical part to humanity. Yeah. Well, so it's kind of releasing the soul from the physical constraints of the physical world. I guess, or just creating a race of... Of mecha beings. Yeah, like god overlord robots. Yeah, they're actually doing um, uh, a test um, over over summer in Switzerland for, for two months where they're going to uh, take 10% of the population and have them assimilate the universe. <laughs> <laughs> have them become mecha gods. Mecha gods. So I presume, nah. um, I presume this invention didn't work. Well, would you like to hear about how he built it? Yeah, how did he build it and, and yes. how was it going to be... Like, how did... Just, yeah, please. How, okay. Elaborate. He built it out of Satan's corpse. Not true. Mm. So, <laughs> for the next nine months, he went into daily trances while the spirits told him the plans for the machine. Sure. Uh, and he, he gathered a loyal band of followers and they all set off for a, a town in Massachusetts where they were going to build the machine. Um, I read somewhere that they spent the equivalent of $50,000 building this machine. Fuck no. So it was not cheap. Hmm. Um, hmm. But uh, a newspaper at the time wrote about the machine... They called it the electrical infant. Uh, and they said that it was supposed to be vaguely humanoid. Uh, apparently, the machine consisted of a black walnut table with insulated <laughs> legs. <laughs> topped by a series of copper, zinc, iron and magnetic plates. From there, two magnetised struts rose from either side, like arms. Uh, suspending magnetised balls on copper chains. Uh, apparently it had hair-like antenna and metal plate lungs that would rust as a symbolic form of respiration. What? So when you first started talking about this, I imagined you were talking about like an Iron Man suit kind of thing. It's just a table. Yeah. It's... it's <laughs> A table with some shit on it, basically. I've got one of those. He built, like, a big doll. <laughs> and his only, like, scientific... His only, like, scientific thing is just what's just kind of blowing into it, or what? Can just imagine his investors? Uh, he pitches this to them. It's going to be this suit. <laughs> you can wear it. It's God. It's it's God. It's a robot God. And then they show up to the meeting after giving him all this money, <laughs> and he just presents a table. He just takes this cloth off the table. <laughs> says, here it is. God. Imagine that on, on Dragon's Den. <laughs> I thought you were going to mention something about how some weird spooky unexplainable thing also happened or did that just not happen there was stay with me 
there's still time. Everything um, is possible so, with science. And yeah, God. I'm going to be honest. I think that there was no science behind any of this. What? Um. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, but but dead presidents told him from beyond the grave how to build it. Table. It sounds pretty legit. Table. And this was God table. This was after he got slammed in the head a lot. Yes, <laughs> I think that may have had something to do with it. Poor guy. Uh, so he recruited a woman that he called the Mary of the New Dispensation to ritually birth and give life to the machine. And uh, how did he pick Mary? Was it just a woman called Mary? Don't say that. <laughs> Unspecified. And, I think it was just a random woman. And what are the mechanics of her giving birth? It says here that John Spear made himself a suit out of gemstones and metal strips. And then he entered a deep trance and he created a psychic umbilical link with the machine. Then it says the new Mary declared herself pregnant. And on June 29th, 1854... She lay next to the machine for two hours, overcome by labour pains. When these Ooh. ended, she laid hands on the robot child, which, according to those present, began to move like a feeble newborn. Mm. So it, it started moving of its own accord? Apparently so. Mm. What, her baby? The machine, which is her baby. Which is Wait, what do you mean? She gave birth to a, a machine. <laughs> no, she didn't actually give birth to anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. But she like symbolically Right, okay, I gave see. Gave life to the machine, which apparently started moving. They were hopeful that this was just the beginning of, of the world changing. Um, but it seems like the machine never did anything else. Uh so John Spear put this down to it just being a baby. He was like, it's just a baby machine. You can't expect it to do much yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. But, but some people said that they thought that the, the initial movement was just like a gentle breeze in the room. <laughs> like I mean, blown probably. it about a little bit. <laughs> Can you imagine going to this event and hearing that this woman was going to give birth? And then you go in there, and for two hours she's just, you know, screeching with labour pains. And uh, after two hours she says, oh, it's finally done. And you ask her, what, where's the baby? Uh, there it is. She just points to a table that's been in the room for the past two hours. <laughs> <laughs> See, then, look, it moves. And then the wind, like, <laughs> blows the tablecloth a bit and everybody loses their shit. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so, there's a bit of debate over what happened next. Um, so, according to John Spear, the, the band of electricizers said that the machine needed a change of air. It said they had to take it somewhere that had better energy. <laughs> uh, what are they basing this off? They're not basing this off anything. This isn't even like, I thought this was going to be linked to like Christianity. This isn't linked to any, any other religion. They're, they're basing this off the words of the dead presidents, obviously. Of course. So it's the religion of the dead presidents. This is a metaphor. This is a metaphor. Dead presidents are, are money. Means it's, money. It's dollars. Yeah. So he got however many fifty thousand dollar dues to to make this. So money is yeah. our god. Money is money is our god. god. This is the birth of we already knew modern that. capitalism. <laughs> in the society in the society we live in, is that why the U.S. is so fucked? Because they didn't sacrifice because they yes. everything to this table god baby. <laughs> is the table still around? Does it still exist in a museum or something? Jumping ahead. I'm going to get to that. So, uh, they decided to take the machine to uh, somewhere that had better vibrations. Uh, so, they dismantled it and they took it to a town called Randolph in New York State. Mm, good uh, air. Good air. Good air in Randolph. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but, while there, 
a mob of locals broke into the building that new motive power was being kept in and they viciously destroyed it. No. Because they thought that it was a blasphemy. Baby. They killed God. Baby table. They killed, they killed baby table God. <laughs> but that was John Spears' story. There are no other sources at the time that mention this. There are no letters or diaries. There are no local newspaper articles or anything mentioning this. Uh, so a lot of people think that he just made the whole thing up. Like he was just embarrassed that the experiment hadn't worked. And so instead of having to backtrack and be like, sorry, guys, I was wrong. He was like, ah, the crazy mob destroyed it. So it's, it's not my fault at all. It was too oh, powerful. The public couldn't handle it. Yeah, well, he reportedly uttered the words, truth crushed to earth shall rise again. Oh. Mm. Um, either way, he abandoned the concept of new motive power. Uh, he continued to preach the messages that the spirits uh, brought for him. Uh, it seems sure. as if the messages from the spirits mostly seemed to be about free love and communal living at this point. Um, okay. I think he was born like a hundred years too early because this was the 1860s. But like, he would have fucking loved the 1960s. Yeah. Or do we think that people in the 1960s would have loved this mechanical god? Oh, 100%. Yeah, so was he just, he was just born at the wrong time. The... The spirits told him to retire in 1872, and in 1887 he died, aged 83, in relative obscurity. No. But no. that is not the end of the story. Oh. Because when I was doing research about this, I found a blog post that was written in 2019, and it talks about a machine that was found while clearing out an old woman's house in Colorado. Um, the, the article said that the woman's, the old woman who died was called Miss Ackerman, but that she was known locally as Old Lady Crackerman. <laughs> <laughs> Due to her eccentricity. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> um, so old lady Crackerman uh, lived in a massive mansion filled with, with weird stuff. And when she died, they were clearing it out. And they found a, a strange machine which had a, a plaque on it reading New Motive Power, John Murray Spear. <gasps> oh, wow. Oh, my God. So maybe the machine... The hacker man took it. <laughs> so he did lie. He lied. He lied it was destroyed and he hid it somewhere. And then over maybe. the 100 years, it got... It got pa 150 years, it got passed around. It was a noble lie so that no one would find it and stumble upon the power held within. The last thing that the blog post said was, as far as we know, the machine has been loaned from the Ackerman estate to a local spiritualism expert where it's being tested for its authenticity. Watch this space for more news. And then no updates. <laughs> oh. okay. When was this? And this is 2019. 2019. 2019. So we've had COVID, you know. COVID. Uh, so sent by the god I'm table still... to punish us all. Yeah, well, people were getting close Ooh, to the answers. They, they were, were getting studying close it. to the truth. So New motive power sent... COVID. The 11th plague. My God. But if you look it up, mm. if you search New Motive Power, you can see some pictures of it. Mm. It's a uh, table. Let's see. Pretty, <laughs> pretty weird looking. Yeah, well, uh, thank you very much for that, Bless. That was. <laughs> yeah, that thanks, Bless. That was some weird shit. Anytime. Yeah. yeah. Victorians were really fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> I recently discovered a Victorian thing that I didn't know existed called the Victorian stink pole. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's, Max, Max Rebo plays that, doesn't he? 
Excuse me. Please tell uh, us more. Yeah. The Victorian stink poles. Elaborate. And now that I've heard of it, I'm gonna go looking I'm gonna go looking for them. So essentially they're all over the London at least, if not the UK. But I think mostly London. <laughs> what is it? Please <laughs> explain. What they actually do is uh, <laughs> I'm sure they have uh, a proper name. I'm sure they weren't called the Victorian stink holes when they were invented. <laughs> um, what is it? Explain yourself. Explain yourself, man. <laughs> is this God? <laughs> Um, so essentially what they are is they're all over London but they people because they're just holes in the ground people just don't take notice of them and (laughs) they might put signs on them and stuff now but essentially what they do is they're connected into the sewers of of London and they just let out like gas from the sewers so there's no like massive fart methane explosions because of because of the shit of of the city essentially um and so they're just dotted all over the place and they just release gas that needs to get out into the air and that's about it yeah they're just giant farting poles (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 one of those things where it's like okay that makes sense and that's a really easy solution that is still used today because it just works um really simple solution um and it's just funny it, it, it reminded me a bit of 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 of, Doc, of the tardis and doctor who where he's like um just it just put it on a street corner and leave shit. it <laughs> 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 just put it on a street corner and leave it it'll gather dust people won't even notice it and it's kind of one of those where it's just like People don't know it's there. People don't take notice of these things. It's just tiny one walking by. It's just a random pole in the ground. Do they still let off um, gas? So now that I'm aware of them, I'm going to look at them. I, I think so, yeah. I'll just never think of that. When you think of... Well, I, I imagine you guys rarely think of the London sewage system. But um, <laughs> <laughs> when you do think of it, when you do think of it, you would just never think of that issue. And I'm and I'm wondering how that became an issue. Was there just a massive, f- like, fart? I don't know. Um, <laughs> 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 they made that, like, they only sorted that out, like, scarily recently, like in the 1850s. Yeah, yeah. Before that, it all just went straight into the Thames. Yeah, and then there was a thing called the Great Stink, which is <laughs> a great name. If you type it in, it's it's a thing. that They called it the Great Stink, and it was the summer of, I think it was 1853. Um, 1858. 1858, okay. Summer of 1858. And then, yeah, they hired some big um, uh, engineers and stuff to, like, build a proper sewage system so it wouldn't go straight into the river because it just, just didn't work. Everybody poops £410 mm. a year. The weight, not the currency. Really? Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's just 10 shy of being a really pounds. funny fact. Yeah. <laughs> How much is that in, yeah, in like kilos? Yeah, 14 and 10. 410 pounds. No, that was uh, a... It was, uh, yeah, I was, I was doing, oh, I get it. Doing the bit. It. But uh, some, some non-linear maths for you there. In kilos. Uh, 185.9 kilos. Fuck, okay. Yeah. it's a lot of... To be fair, I was expecting more. Poop. <laughs> your own personal observations. Going, going off the amount that I know, Fergus shits a year. <laughs> uh, speaking of, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this week of poo facts. <laughs> it's, been, it's becoming increasingly regular. We've been pretty good for the past few, few pods, I think. <laughs> 
I've been consciously <laughs> limiting myself. Felipe brought this up, okay? This wasn't me. <laughs> Make a podcast where all you talk about is, is like... Why we get shit. shitty. No. <laughs> I will not be on that podcast. No, <laughs> you guys have the fun. great... Oh, the great you. stink. The great, oh, yeah. oh, that's such a good name, though. Oh. No, you're out now. I'm in. I've replaced you. You're gone. Okay, well, well guys, it was fun. Um, see you around. <laughs> As we all know, the universe was created in 1977 with the release of the first Star Wars film. Here's our Wikipedia concept of the week. Right, so into our Wikipedia section. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> I just automatically repeated what you said because it sounded fun. Star poos. <laughs> yeah. Poo wars. Oh, oh my no. god. <laughs> Wookie, Wookie, Wild, Wild West. Uh, does anyone have a good one? Who George Pukas. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm done, I'm done. R to Deepu. C three Hey. <laughs> That's a C three poo. You're just C three poo. You don't really even need to change it. He's just C three P O because P P funny. <laughs> C three P P poo. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Wait, this just give me an idea. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I couldn't find what I was looking for. I was going to see if Wikipedia had an article on either poo or excrement, but it doesn't. Maybe it has pee-pee. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Maybe if you search mm. up... Um, maybe it's under a different name. Maybe if you type in Star Wars Episode One: A Phantom Menace... Oi, you can back <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> I will fight you to the death on that. No, nah, no, nah, I'm joking, I'm joking. I, I like that film. I'll put my hand up, I do enjoy the film. I'm just I'm just going along with the joke. I'm going along with the joke. I couldn't find anything really this week for Wikipedia. I did find a few short articles, one of which is somewhat relevant, which is the Anu system. Anu. Anu system. How do you spell that? Anu. Anu system. There's nothing in it aside from the name that I thought was kind of funny because it sounds like the way Borat says anus. <laughs> I've got one. Uh, uh, someone who you might all recognize uh, called Mermea. M e r m e i a, mermaid. Mermaid. Uh, who appeared in the Star Wars holiday <laughs> special? Oh no! Yes. I know who this is. Queen. Yes. Uh, so, so for everyone who hasn't seen the Star Wars holiday special, uh, it is an absolute travesty of a film. I think we could uh, got to do be bad. We should do a why we get Schweisty Star Wars holiday special special. <clears throat> Ooh. Absolutely. Excellent. So I watched the Star Wars holiday special for the first time like last Christmas. Um but Ronan has watched it five separate times. I've seen it about three times. It's like <laughs> This this fact made me rethink our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be a psychopath. Uh, so for so everyone funny. unfamiliar, uh, it came out in 1978, so immediately after the release of the first Star Wars to capitalize on its success. Uh, but none of the none of the actual creative forces behind 
the actual Star Wars film were involved in it. It was just kind of given to the interns and the and the assistants to throw something together. Uh, and it follows Chewbacca's family. And they're about to celebrate a life day. And they're waiting for Chewbacca to come home. And all sorts of things go on. Uh, but the the main issue is at the core of the of the premise. Where all of the main characters are Wookiees. They don't speak English. And there's no subtitles for an hour and a half. Maybe the Star Wars... And every now and again, the- human characters pop in. But for most of it, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Star Wars holiday special. Maybe the Star Wars holiday special was the last great stink. Instead, <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Uh, and so, so the way this character comes comes into play is to celebrate Life Day. <laughs> oh, well, <yeah>. One of <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming back. One one of, one of the Wookiee's friends, who's one of the few humans in the film, uh, comes around and gives everyone some some presents. And what he gives to Chewbacca's father, who's this grumpy old man, elderly Wookiee, uh, who goes by the name Itchy, which is a bit uncomfortable. And he gives him something he calls a, calls a mind evaporator, uh, which is essentially a, it's essentially a VR headset. And he gives it to him and goes, whoa, now, now this stuff, it's the, it's, it's, it's the real deal. It's just, Wow. And leaves. Uh, and and what uh, what happens next is that it it creates Itchy's greatest greatest inner desires and fantasies. Uh, and the behind the scenes says that the the writers wanted it to be a moment of soft core pornography. Um, <laughs> get it past the censors. <laughs> what? <laughs> and uh, yeah. And it, and this woman, uh, who we're talking about, Mermea, appears and addresses addresses Itchy directly, and saying, "Oh, you're my. Oh, no, I I'm your fantasy. I think you're adorable. It's just you, and me." And it cuts back to him sitting in the living living room, going, "Oh," and getting very excited and hot and bothered. It's like old man Wookie who has no teeth. Yeah, isn't the kid? The isn't the kid walking around? Yeah, the whole family are walking around. He's sitting in the middle of the living room Ah, wearing a VR headset. Grandpa's watching porn in the living room again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But one one very interesting thing uh, is that this character was originally supposed to be played by Cher. Really? (laughs) What? Really? (laughs) How, How? What? They did not have the budget... To get even close to Cher. <laughs> hey, they had the budget for Jefferson's Starship. Like To be fair, yeah. They did have the budget for Jefferson's Starship. <laughs> yeah, so one, one of the strange functions of the Holy Special is that it acts as a variety show of a sort. Um, so there are just moments where it where all the action stops and everyone sits down and watches watches a video. Uh, such as such as this weird VR. VR porn, uh, and it, you know, in in this, she sings a whole song. Uh, it's a, it's a full, quite long song. <laughs> uh, another part, um, there's a hologram, and it's just the band Jefferson Starship playing. Uh, <laughs> I think I think there's an, there's at least two more songs, uh, so it would it would make some sense for them to get an actual an actual performer like Cher, but. But they didn't quite manage to. I think she was having surgery at the time. Well, it says here, they referred to Mamiya as a Diana Ross glittery feathery alien. It's just a woman in a funny hat. It also says here that that, uh, this actress, uh, the one that they cast in the end, was was specifically cast because um, CBS wanted black people in the holiday special because there was some controversy surrounding the original film's lack of dark-skinned characters. So they were like, we'll put one black person in and she'll be the VR prostitute. (laughs) (laughs) This 
this is so I'm reading these comments from behind the scenes of the creative team it is so strange uh, where is it I lost it Star Wars author John Bradley Snyder has additionally referred to Mamea's relationship with Atichukuk. 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 He's literally got. Itchy As kinky space love. God. Who watched the original Star Wars and went, you know what this needs? Kinky space love. <laughs> you know what this needs? A masturbating old man Wookiee. <laughs> That's what I've always thought. There's there's not enough masturbation in Star Wars. <laughs> it's just not realistic. Well, apparently, apparently the script says that Itchy is supposed to be groggy with satisfaction after this experience. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got no, I've got another quote from Romea. It's just oh oh we are excited, aren't we? Just relax, just relax. Yes, now we can have a good time, can't we? <laughs> That's so weird. I hate everything. Uh, if you're listening and you haven't seen the holiday special, I do not recommend it. <laughs> Don't do this to yourself. It's so funny, though. It's like a comedy film. Mm-hmm. But I think I think it goes even beyond the so bad it's good category. Mm. I definitely agree. It's like I tuned in to watch it for yeah. the first time last Christmas with, with you, Ronan, and it was maybe 45 minutes into it, I realised I'd made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it is the worst thing I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of bad movies. Because it starts off quite entertaining because you're thinking, ha ha, it's so, so bad, ha ha. And then it keeps going. I, th- I think the moment it hits for me is the, is the six minute long gymnastic sequence. <laughs> <laughs> where, where Lumpy, the baby Wookiee, just... Sits on a table and watches some <laughs> so hologram- holographic gymnasts jump around for oh, for about six whole minutes. God, I forgot how terrifying Lumpy is. The music's is so as bad. Well. The whole yeah, thing is of an interest. It it feels like a fever dream, a bad trip. Lump- Lumpy just looks like a rabid dog the whole time. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> it's quite scary. <laughs> and then Mark Hamill appears for. 45 seconds looking like absolute shit because <laughs> like he's just gotten out of a car accident i think yeah and so they've they've like caked his face with makeup he looks horrifying just contractually obliged harry fisher is to appear oh yeah harry fisher is coked out of her mind mm-hmm. she's the best part of it i think she's really fun <laughs> because she she said she'd only be in it if they let her sing a song <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. Yeah, and so she sings a song to the tune of the Star Wars theme. <laughs> while just completely out of her mind. Off her face. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, so that was that was Mermea. Uh, who wants to go next? I can go next. Cool. Um, I have a band. Oh. Okay. We love these. The Max Rebo uh, band? They are called... No, no, not the Max Rebo band. They are called The Emperor's New Clothes. <laughs> okay. And they were, they were a pro-imperial band. Oh, okay. The Galactic Civil War. I don't think we've had a pro-imperial band. No. Uh, so it says The Emperor's New Clothes shortened to Tank. T-N-C. Uh, they were a pro-imperial music group active during the Galactic Civil War, whose early releases received high praise from the Imperial Board of Culture. <laughs> uh, says they were they were loud in their support for the Galactic Empire, and they enjoyed success among two primary groups of listeners. Uh, the first group was the people who believed everything that the band said, and the second group were the people who believed the exact opposite. 
<laughs> right. So they, they were popular with the imperial military, uh, but they were also popular with traders, smugglers, uh, and pirates, just like as satire, I guess. Yeah, so they listen to it ironically. Yeah, uh, and it says that this kind of like dubstep fan base. Yeah, traditionally made their concerts dangerous. Oh, because oh, of fighting. Um, they released two albums. Uh, their first album was called Artistic Integrity. Uh, one, of, one of the songs on Artistic Integrity was called Death Star Rising. Uh, oh, isn't that a good. Muse song? And, uh, <laughs> I swear that's a Muse song. <laughs> well, Death Star Rising was said to be a, a display of very bad taste because it was released just days after the Empire's destruction of Alderaan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, they also released a second album called Totally Patriotic. Uh, the track list goes Defending Your Freedom, Star Destroyer, Supremacy, The New Order, and the title track totally patriotic supremacy is a muse song <laughs> supremacy <laughs> not death star rising i'm pretty sure that's also a muse song god yeah imagine imagine that after this massive massive tragedy like what if what what, what if shortly after 9-11 someone just released a, a song called fuck yeah al-qaeda <laughs> Yeah, like uh, Eminem just releases a pro Al Qaeda song. Or uh, it says here that the Empress New Clothes uh, had a long-standing rivalry with another band. Uh, there was the anti-imperial band called Red Shift Limit. Oh, that's a really good name. Yeah, uh, and Red Shift Limit even recorded their own parody version of Totally Patriotic. Wow! Oh my god, yeah. who produced it? Was it Max Revo? Oh, I bet. Hero. Uh, so, what? Where did these appear, and do we have copies of the songs? Are my two big questions. <laughs> um, these appear in. It says here, Galaxy Guide Nine: Fragments from the Rim. Uh, Is that a you? To, <laughs> a supplement to Star Wars the role playing game. Is that a euphemism? Interesting. <laughs> Everything's uh, a euphemism. But it was also featured in um, something which I think we might find very interesting. A, a book called, or rather a series of reference articles um, called... Slug Throwers, an overview of popular music and musicians in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, which is, yeah, a series of articles on the Star Wars blogs. Mm. Oh. Okay. Written by a man called Ed Erdelak. Amazing. So this is, this, is a, this is a real series of articles, which I feel like we're, we're obliged to read. Yeah, we have to yeah. get hold of this. Should get them on. Uh, Should now, read them. It also says... So there was another band as well uh, called Deeply Religious. Uh, what are these like super on the nose <laughs> band names? What is that about? <laughs> they were an underground band and they released songs called Torch Song and Just Another Art Form. Uh, uh, okay. But Empress New Clothes were not happy with these songs. And so they, they released Artistic Integrity, uh, which carried the message that the band was free to write their music despite the fact that some individuals might not like it. But then in turn, Deeply Religious released like a diss track called <laughs> Ooh, It Bites. <laughs> which was described uh, in a magazine as nasty. <laughs> oh, it's nasty. That's Ooh, it bites. Nasty. It bites is nasty. 
wow, who, who knew there was so much drama in the, the whole music scene? We were in the happy worlds of Ficker and Dan and Max Rebo. I mean, Max Rebo exploded. Uh, but other than that... <laughs> wow. Uh, it says here that, that Redshift Limit released a song called Lady Nebula, which received a scarlet rating from the Imperial Board of Culture, which was reserved for tracks that they viewed as worthless or offensive. Oh. oh. Wow. wow. There you go. <clears throat> so you get kind of that parental advisory. Yeah. Imperial advisory warning. So the... The... Uh, the songs off the Redshift Limit album that contained their totally patriotic satire were called Lady Nebula, Love in the Ruins, and Reverse Thrust. <laughs> <laughs> Again, excellent name. Whoever's coming up with these in real life is on the ball. <laughs> of totally patriotic is Minga. <laughs> M- Minga. M-I-N-G-A. It just says mm. a genre of music popular among youths during the New Order that was similar to Busanuvu. Oh. Busanuvu. <laughs> oh my god, I clicked on I clicked on a bossa nouveau and it literally says this genre is the in-universe equivalent of bossa nova. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought, eh? It's, it's B apostrophe S-S-A N-U-U-V-U This again, again, they keep doing these things. <laughs> they keep doing that, I don't know. <laughs> That, uh, which really backfired with the naming of jizz. <laughs> <laughs> really backfired. They should just call it something or rather, completely went different. To plan. Either call it something completely different or just call it jazz. Like, who gives a fuck? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they can't possibly have jazz in my Star War. It's an Earth they thing. Have jizz? <laughs> they must have jizz instead. Yes. It says their music dominated the hottest clubs on Coruscant in one eighty. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Fuck yeah! You know who like you know who hung out of those outside of those clubs? Sleazy Cabana. <laughs> yes. He was there, uh, and, and the clubs the clubs um, were bounced by but, fish by racket fish. thug. <laughs> There's another band called Hypers. Hyperspace and the Jump Lanes. They were a jizz band. <laughs> right. Were they popular on Coruscant in, in, in the clubs? Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. There's Ivar Orbus and his Galactic Jizz Whalers. Oh, nice. Nice. Ivar Orbus. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> um, oh, it says part of Orbis's genius also led to his downfall. He was at the forefront of the Hutties music scene, choosing to compose songs in the language of the dominant crime beings of the galaxy so as to directly appeal to them and build a wealthy fan base. Perhaps his rubbing elbows with notorious underworld figures inspired him to rip off his own band at regular intervals. Eventually, he met his match uh, when... Oh my god, wait. Eventually, he met his match when he booked the cantina on Tatooine and arrived at Moss Eisley to find fiery Figger and Dan and the modal nodes oh, waiting no. in the docking bay Ugh. armed. Not those Peaky guys. Were exchanged and the bad-tempered Bith legend shot Orbis dead. Oh, oh my god! Figger and Dan no, killed... Listen, listen. What? Max Rebo took over leadership of the group, changing its name to the Max Rebo band. What? Oh. Wait, what? Wait, 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 wait. Let's roll back. Let's roll back. Whoa, 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 whoa,
Can you say that paragraph one more time, please? Yeah. Okay, it says, Eva Orbus and his galactic jizz whalers didn't fare so well. A visionary impresario with an unfortunate, unfortunate penchant for double dealing. In the later years of the Clone Wars, he secured the respected talents of songstress Sny, Sy Snootles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And discovered not only the positively electric keyboardist Max Rebo, mm -hmm. but flutist Droopy McCool yeah. and soulful whaler Joe Yowser as well. <laughs> Part of Orbis's genius also led to his downfall. He was at the forefront of the Hutties music scene, choosing to compose songs in the language of the dominant crime beings of the galaxy so as to directly appeal to them and build a wealthy fan base. Perhaps his rubbing elbows with notorious underworld figures inspired him to rip off his own band at regular intervals. Eventually, he met his match when he booked Chalum's Katina on Tatooine and arrived at Moss Eisley to find fiery Figrin Dan and the modal nodes waiting in the docking bay, armed. <laughs> Heated words were exchanged and the bad-tempered Bith legend shot Orbus dead. Max Rebo took over the leadership of the group some say under the manipulation of star singer Cy Snootles, oh. changing its name to the Max Rebo Band and adding a trio of sexy backup dancers <laughs> and growdy harmonique sensation rapper Tuny. <laughs> they auditioned for Jabba the Hutt, who offered them a lifetime contract in exchange for room, board, and all the food they could eat. Well, class, cla Rebo classic way to treat musicians, not paying them. <laughs> <laughs> Which Max Rebo impulsively accepted. Oh, Max. Max, just one of those To snacks. be fair, so he, did, he, did, he didn't actually do that much wrong. He just took over the band after... Um, what's Under his name? suspicious circumstances. Fi yeah, figuring down. Yeah, the, so the, the classic cantina band just murdered their rival musician. It says here uh, that after, after uh, Jabba was killed, three of the band formed a band called the Palpatones, <laughs> and they enjoyed limited success in the Outer Rim with hit single Kick the Ranat. Rebo played exclusively for the Alliance, McCool wandered off into the Dune Sea, and Cy Snootles ended her days as a spice addict. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> there's only one man to blame sleazy gabano gabano <laughs> yeah. wow if Figrin Dan hadn't been pumped up on death sticks he wouldn't have <laughs> he wouldn't have killed Eva Orbis there's so oh my gosh I can't believe all that the hidden lore that's been unveiled here uh, Max, if you're listening, uh, this is important. Sai needs help. She's still out there. She's on, on a lot of spice. We don't blame you for what happened. We love you. Well, I think with that, with that extra information we learned about Max Rebo, the return of the Jizz Whalers. Yes. I think we, we have our episode title there. The God Machine, the return of the Jizz Whalers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I've got I've got a question for for all of you. Actually, for Bliss, special guest. <laughs> Why do you get shwasty, Bliss? Um, I think it's because of the stink poles. I think that's valid. <laughs> <laughs> the great stink drives us all to shwastiness. The great stink drives you to drink. There we go. There you go. <laughs> there it is. Tagline of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for being with us, Bliss. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah, thanks, you. Bliss. I should have you on. Fascinating. Fascinating God table chat. Well, thank you, the listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Why We Get Schwasty. Mm. Uh, we have been... Fergus, Felipe, Ronan, and Bliss. We have been getting shwasty here live on the pod for you. <laughs> Tune in next week for another episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram and send in your 
stories and reasons why you get shwasty to whywegetshwasty at gmail.com and you might just get featured on an episode. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.